0: Um, So that is, those two reasons are uh, uh, the the major reasons why uh, Zaporizhia is not Chernobyl. I think that is the thing that we can say with most confidence. Um, You know, when you talk to science people, they're always talking about like just levels of likelihood. Um, That would be very, very unlikely. Like it has enough radioactive material there, similar to Chernobyl, but uh, it turning into a similar situation extremely unlikely
1: welcome back to knowledge brew supreme the show that percolates your creativity and it is i your host dr john chancy and i am back and better than ever before we begin today's episode here is a quick ad from show sponsor Bar Nana Snacks to help pay the bills. All right, so my wonderful sponsors at Bar Nana Chips were so kind uh, to send me a care package with some wonderful snacks, some wonderful chips of various kinds, different snacks to try. And I've been saving one for a while that I've been been dying to try, and it's the organic plantain chips, spicy mango salsa. Their kettle Cook style chips, so I'm gonna do a live uh, first try, a live taste, uh, and you can get my instant reaction to these chips. I've been dying to try these chips. Here we go. Open up the bag and give a smell test. Ooh, ooh, I can smell the the sweetness, the the, the spiciness. Okay, here we go. First chip. Oh yeah. Oh yeah I like that a lot. There's the flavors a little subtle, the spice is kind of subtle, but you can taste the sweetness of the mango right away. But that spicy mango kind of the salsa um, kind of creeping up in the back, I can feel the spice in the back of my, the back of my mouth right now. It's really good. Um, it's not overpowering the mango, the sweetness, but the salsa taste together not overpowering but a nice kick you know um be good to have a glass of water with these but I'm not feeling like oh my god I absolutely have to rush out and drink a glass of water right now I like that that subtle spice uh and combined with the sweetness so let me give another chip Mm. good stuff good stuff so check these out they're barnana, spicy mango salsa their kettle-style chip, it's fantastic. I would give it like an 11 out of 10. I don't know, is that fair? But check it out. Thanks, Barnana. On today's episode of Knowledge Brews Supreme, I'm joined by the one and only DJ LeClear, a.k.a. The Rad Guy. Uh, if you're not familiar, DJ runs a series of social media pages, including Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, that are intended to introduce uh, people from all backgrounds of education, all backgrounds in general, to the science of radiation and nuclear science. Uh, he and you know, once I stumbled upon this his YouTube channel, he's just a, a guest I have been dying to have on this show. Um, because honestly, I don't know a lot about radiation, but I hear a lot about it, but I don't necessarily know a lot about it. Um, his YouTube channel has been really helpful to kind of fill in some of the gaps, but I thought, hey, why not just bring the man himself onto the show? So with that said, welcome to Knowledge Brew Supreme. DJ, how are you doing today? Uh, thank you so much. That was a great introduction. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing
0: all right today. A little hot in my Uh, office right now because i don't have ac
1: but i think uh i'll think i'll get by (laughs) (laughs) all right all right yeah it's uh it's still crazy that time of the year apparently you know uh you you need it or need some kind of uh breeze or something to help out it's just brutal right now Um, oh yeah but but i want to get to start with you know i've I've watched your youtube video you know i've seen your your pages um but i want to know a little more about you what Mm -hmm. is your educational background and maybe a little bit into maybe are your current occupation in terms of working in radiation um how Mm -hmm. did you and kind of a couple background questions with that how did you get interested in radiation and nuclear science was there anybody was there a person or was there some kind of moment in your life that kind of sparked that interest yeah
0: lots of good questions there so uh, like, my, my background uh, started out, actually, uh, I was interested in in getting into chemistry. Like, that was my original interest there. I wanted to do, chem, uh, like, chemical engineering and maybe even get into food science, because I, I, I love to eat and I love to cook. Uh, and, but I wanted to get my college paid for, right? So, uh, I joined the Navy from there, and uh, I or because you know they'll pay for my college but I ended up getting in and I remember talking to the recruiter and just telling them you know my passion for for math and science and they they looked at me and they're like yeah you're a nuke I'm like what's a nuke (laughs) so that I mean that's kind of the first introduction right like uh I got in, I thought I was going to be like, I don't know, working in a laboratory and like doing some super nerdy stuff with, I I had no idea what I was getting into really. And uh, ended up getting in and basically uh, as a Navy nuke, I was a nuclear operator. So I worked on, they they have both uh, on carriers and on subs, they have nuclear reactors on them that run them. Uh, supply the electricity, they push them through the water, uh, they provide all of the clean water for the uh, the ships. And uh, I was what's called an engineering laboratory technician. Uh, so I guess I was kind of in a laboratory, right? But <laughs> not exactly what I thought I was going to be doing, but right. uh, didn't didn't get to wear a, 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 a lab coat or, or anything, but oh well. Um, instead of, I was wearing overalls. I guess. <laughs> oh, wow. But yeah, yeah, that's what we all wear on the on the ship when we're out to sea. But, uh, engineering laboratory technician, they do the steam plant chemistry, reactor reactor plant chemistry on the ships, as well as uh, what's called radiological controls. So if you need to work on a system that was potentially contaminated. Uh, radiologically contaminated, uh, you needed a engineering laboratory technician there to kind of supervise the work, uh, make sure that people are not like touching contaminated stuff and then touching themselves or, or other surfaces. And, and uh, I was in charge of taking detailed notes uh, during that sort of maintenance, as well as taking kind of the uh, uh, steady states and, or What's a better word? Uh, Just monitoring for radiation, doing the the maintenance and and taking a a Geiger counter around the engine spaces and uh, making sure that all of the radiation levels were were monitored. And you could definitely say, like, that's where I got my passion uh, for nuclear. I, I realized very quickly that that's something that I would like to do. Um, So I ended up getting my degree in nuclear engineering technology uh, from Excelsior College. Uh, It was all online because when you're in the Navy and out to sea, I mean, like, (laughs) what else? What else can you do? But that's, yeah, that's where I got my undergrad and um, loved doing that. Actually took me, started in 2011. I I didn't finish in 2008 until 2018. So I was doing it for quite a while. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, off and on doing it, working full-time, uh, had a kid, started a business, stopped or shut down a business, like all sorts <laughs> of, you know, act, th- things that really took up my time, but I sure. uh, finally finished it. Um, and I, when I got out of the Navy, I decided to, what did I do? Oh yeah. I, I actually got into... A company that that made analytical x-ray machines. Oh. so cool stuff, actually. like it's not your type of x-ray machines that you use to to like survey people. It was your x-ray machines to uh, do material science with, really. Oh, like yeah. it's really cool stuff. loved it. Um I was the guy I was a service engineer, so I was the guy who like did like the. Uh, mechanical stuff on it worked with the water on it as well as uh electronics and stuff so very different from what i did in the navy and not really like nuclear related yeah yeah Um, i mean we were working around radiation i understood it and i loved learning (laughs) the science behind like what we were doing the material science like basically shining x-rays on uh different materials and then measuring it what kind of bounced off of the material and you could learn a lot about it it's really cool stuff um so like back in 2017 I really got back or I started getting uh really into the online uh scene when it came to like nuclear forums and stuff because again like I really just had that interest in nuclear that uh kept welling up and I also went back to school and I was starting to working on finishing my degree and uh I decided uh to change jobs and I was looking around on Indeed and I saw a position for a nuclear engineer with the state and wow. <laughs> I thought that was a little weird like I was like wait a minute what why the heck would a a state level job why would they be hiring nuclear engineers like that makes no sense to me, but I'll sure I'll bite and ended up interviewing for it and was very fascinated about what, what the position was for. It was, uh, it was radiological emergency preparedness.
1: Um, Interesting. And
0: basically planning and preparing for radiological emergencies. Uh, mostly the one that we focused on was nuclear plant emergencies or still focus on it's still my job. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's where all the, the funding comes from as well. All nuclear plants in, in the United States are required to have an off-site response organization. Somebody who is separate from the nuclear plant that's uh, able to coordinate response, like in case something happens, right? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's uh, what I got into. Um, I'm at more of a manager level now, but uh still love getting into the weeds but uh really enjoy it um yeah and i guess that brings us or you know what i i didn't talk about my master's program that i (laughs) so while i was working uh or while yeah while i was working for the state i uh, started my master's program actually started it in january of 2020 so very interesting time to yes uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah had a lot of time you know
1: sitting at home <laughs> sure to, able to work
0: on <laughs> but uh yeah start, started that and so my my master's was with illinois institute of technology and the degree was health physics and i think a lot of people like they hear health physics like what what do you, what do you mean by health physics and uh, one of the first books we read in the in the in the coursework was just like very basic health physics, and like what went into the, the naming of that field, and uh, how it's kind of confusing. Like, why do you call it health physics? But basically, it's rate radi- radiation protection is what we do.
1: Oh wow! wow. Okay.
0: A, a lot of that had to do with like uh, CP one. Uh, that's Chicago Pile One. That was the very first reactor ever to go critical as part of the uh, uh, Manhattan Project. Ooh. And they they had physicists basically working on making calculations for like radiation levels. And they were the people who were trying to protect people from the radiation. Oh. And I think it was part of like the health department part of it that was kind of in charge of that's like I, I gotta I gotta read it again, but it uh, had to do basic basically with health and it was physicists doing it, so health physicist. But
1: interesting. Okay. I never but, heard but of that. That's just, awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah. The job of the health physicist is basically to protect people and the environment from radiation and the use of radiation, uh, while at the same time uh, using radiation. For like medical purposes, for uh, industrial, you name it, all sorts of purposes. So basically, being able to use radiation for good while at the same time protecting people from radiation.
1: So you're like a superhero. <laughs> I like it. Sure, yeah, it's I a- like it. You're saving the world, yeah. saving people, but also making <laughs> making some cool stuff happen. I love it. Right. So right. with all that said, I you know I just you have a, this wealth of background information. So I have just. Lots of questions I want to ask. But the first is, just from your opinion, expertise and expertise, why does the topic of radiation or, you know, anytime you bring up radiation or nuclear kind of carries a negative stigma to it? And related to that, and maybe this is kind of, you know, answering the same question, but what are some of the misconceptions you think the general public has about radiation i'm sure maybe that kind of feeds into that stigma so that's why i'm asking these two together
0: yeah i mean there there there's definitely a a major stigma that has been around for a long time and uh it's i'm so glad you bring this up um in in a podcast that's not specifically nuclear focused i've heard on lots of nuclear focused talking about exactly this uh topic on why do people fear nuclear or the word radiation and i mean there's a jeez I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh for one thing nuclear weapons that's a big part of it um a lot of it has to do with this 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 unseen uh risk that you can't touch taste see hear uh, but it could be affecting you. Right. Like, yes. so it's just, this really that, I mean, that's scary in itself.
1: Right. Sure. Sure.
0: Um, I think another one has to do with some very high profile incidents that happened in the past. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean probably first thing that comes to mind is Chernobyl. Right. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> but like thinking way back when we were using radium for, for, everything and like we 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 painted uh clock dials we paint painted everything you could think of with radium so that it glowed and at night you could see it like they were doing it on uh military stuff deck markers uh i even heard of people having ovens with the dials on the ovens like oh, yeah. really do you need to go that far like <laughs> But uh, a big thing was that really kind of started that public perception, I think, when it comes to like radiation and and radioactive material uh, was the radium girls. I think that really had a big part in it, right? Or that was in the the 20s, late 20s. Yeah,
1: yeah. When the radium
0: girls started. So that was pre-nuclear weapons. Yes, and it was a very high profile case that uh, there was a there was a lot of good that came out of uh, the, that case for a lot of terrible things that happened to the woman that were were part of it. Um, I mean, we got like OSHA out of it. Like that was a major uh, contributor to OSHA was the radium girls. Um, and but that really started getting people thinking, oh, wait, this thing that we're putting everywhere uh, is like dangerous for you. And and that, that was more about like occupational hazard when it came to the, the radium, uh, in radium girls. I mean, they were, they were exposed to it every single day. They were putting it, um, on their lips and then basically ingesting it. Oh and, God. and there were just some terrible images and stories that really came out of that. And, I, and it was in the news, it was all over the place. And I really think that that made a huge contribution to the stigma um, just starting off because beforehand it was this miracle cure, right? You, you put it on everything. They had, uh, they, there was people that would sell flasks of of radium to drink for your health. Oh my
1: goodness. <laughs>
0: there was radium baths. Uh, it was quackery, lots of quackery around <laughs> it. And then once people started learning, like, oh, shoot, like, I mean, people knew, people knew about it, but the public started learning, like, wait, there's, there's a hazard to this. It basically kind of flipped the, the the public perception, right, of, of, of radiation and radioactive material to the, like the extreme end of like, oh, shoot, like, it's all really dangerous type of thing. Um, so I would say that that is a big contributor to the stigma. Um, and then if you want to, we can even get into kind of the stigma around nuclear power as sure, well. Sure. They kind of bleed, right? Uh, the a, a big one, I would say, is when in doubt, really, it's a bomb. or It's the bombs, right? Nuclear bombs is the reason why uh, people have this fear of nuclear power. And... It's it really sucks that nuclear power shares shares the name with nuclear weapons. Oh sure, Um, right? I I was just talking to my son a few days ago, and uh, he was very confused. Like, so nuclear, like, because we were talking about nuclear bombs. He knows about nuclear bombs. He's eight years old. Um, YouTube, thank you. Um, (laughs) And he loves science stuff, but. Uh, and then he was thinking like okay so but a nuclear reactor like a a nuclear plant like so that can like blow up like a bomb right like oh man (laughs) no no it can't like physically can't blow up like a nuclear bomb and he's like why why is it named the same like i i I don't get this like if he's like i'm like ha this is This is like the key thing right the the thing that really gets people uh thinking that they're basically the same thing and there's people out there that do think like they are they are two sides of the same coin and um but they are very different uh yeah and i think that that was definitely a big part of the start of the anti-nuclear movement Um, another one was, uh, that nuclear power could bring, you know, limitless energy, limitless cheap energy. And if you kind of look back to, uh, California in the, the early anti-nuclear days, it kind of started out as like, we don't want to bring clean cheap energy to california because then we're going to bring a lot of people and we're going to basically ruin california with all these people that are coming oh no and so it's kind of this 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 malthusian anti-human sort of mindset um behind it uh and that that was like kind of if you really look into like the history of like the sierra club as well they're one of the of the people who started uh really pushing the anti-nuclear movement uh originally their their uh top people were were for nuclear power because it's very low impact on on the environment uh didn't emit car didn't, didn't have carbon emissions or or all those problems that you had with like coal plants the stuff that you put into the environment was terrible and terrible for people right and so at first they were for it and then uh there were people that kind of took over the sierra club uh people might say it was kind of like a coup that kind of took over but uh yeah they didn't want to see nuclear power in california for the reasons why basically i mentioned there and i think those are two big parts of like the anti-nuclear uh movement and why there's that stigma nuclear weapons and uh (laughs) the anti-human
1: type of anti-technology sort of mindset interesting and and sort of thinking about that you know and, and this sort of attitude i don't know if you is this if you would consider this pretty prevalent here in the united states and how that compares globally but i'm curious like how would you describe just the overall state of nuclear energy in the united states like how does that compare and contrast to the rest of the world? Like, does the rest of the world or certain parts of the world have that same kind of pushback? Or is, are there places in the world that are like, hey, we're, we're not going to, you know, we, we see the benefits here and we want to go with this? From from what I know, just from
0: perusing the internet, basically, uh, is, I mean, it's definitely different in other, in other parts of the world uh, when it comes to like how anti-nuclear are, our people how how are some places they're very welcoming of it minds have been changing recently so it's hard to almost it's almost hard to keep up to yeah. kind of where the mindset is sure uh jeez i know like if, if you think about maybe some like developing countries uh that are definitely like all for nuclear power but at the same time they're all for just power electricity like
1: sure, right
0: that you you don't get uh prosperity without having energy as well kind of it's they're kind of coupled to each other uh you you rarely see um prosperity without energy as well but i'm not saying that energy causes it but it's almost like a requirement um Mm. for kind of lifting these countries up um and so they'll take any electricity any power they can get and i, I know i'm friends with some people who, who they i'm actually planning on being um on their podcast uh when it comes to uh it's it's Afro-nuclear, i think is is the name of it um and basically in africa bringing nuclear power to, to africa um and there seems to be a lot of good uh momentum there uh I know i'm I'm trying to think like the mindset of the people like i can think of the government right like in china like they're just building out again any power source that they can get hold of and they're just churning out nuclear power plants left and right right now they're building them in just a few years um i think their average is like uh i want to say like five years at the moment per nuclear plant these are large nuclear
1: plants connecting them to the grid what's up from start to finish, they're they're getting it up yeah. in five years. What what would a yeah. typical one be like here in the United States? More than that, I'm guessing.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: so that's that's like another big thing, right?
0: Uh, everyone now, it's interesting how they pe- people change tactic with kind of their anti nuclear argument when when they've lost the argument when it comes comes to safety, lost the argument uh, when it comes to weapons or waste or whatever. Uh, then they turn to like, oh, it's going to take too long. Um, <laughs> and if you look at recent history in in the western world look at uh in georgia they're building some plants they were building some plants um in south carolina i'm forgetting it now because they stopped building them but uh in finland they've been building some plants and uh or a plant in france they're they're building a plant and it is taking way too freaking long and one of the big things is we stopped building nuclear plants like like starting building nuclear plants in the 70s like we haven't been starting them since the 70s so our experience like construction experience in nuclear builds and when I say our I, I, I should be specific here I'm talking about like in the U.S., but as well as in other like European countries, yeah. uh, they've all like forgotten how to, <laughs> to build nuclear plants. So we're we're basically starting from scratch, and with a first of a kind build is is what I would consider it. Um, all of these countries that are that are that are starting out, and there is lack of experience in the uh, construction crew in the utility in the reactor vendors such as Westinghouse and with the regulators, everybody just has lack of experience. And I've talked to the people who have been building these things and they've basically told me like, yeah, like everybody t- didn't know what they were doing when it came to uh, getting a reactor built or, or two reactors. And it just caused so many delays and uh, you know, it was, yeah it's been terrible, and they I think the ones that they're plan, that they're going to be finishing, which is next year, uh, in in the U.S. Yeah, uh, yeah. the the Vogel plants, they started those I want to say 2012. Someone's gonna quote me on that. So ten years, yeah, over yeah, 10 years. That's a long time. 2013. Any either way. Like nine or ten years, yeah, uh, and there has been companies going bankrupt, people getting sued. Um, it has been a cluster. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like in the Western world has not looked good, and a big part is like th- there needs to be more support, um, for nuclear, and we need to really be building a lot more we need to get more experience with building them the ones that they're building in georgia are ap 1000s and uh they uh they're also building them in south carolina as well ap 1000s but that stopped i hope that they start that back up again uh southern nuclear i think is the one that either owns them or owned them Uh, i think they got like 90 something percent done and just stopped and <laughs> that was back when Westinghouse, which was the vendor of the reactor, um, who was also trying to like lead the construction of it, um, which I don't know if that was a mistake or not. But uh, they they went bankrupt, mm-hmm. and I think everybody thought that both construction projects were just done, you know. Uh, and thankfully, in Georgia, they they kept pushing on. Unfortunately. At the, the one for Southern nuclear, they they did stop. So hopefully they start that back up again. But if you look at other countries, uh, such as like I mentioned, uh, China, yeah. uh, if you look at South Korea, they, they had an amazing heyday in, in recent history of building their nuclear plants uh, in about the same time frame, And then Japan they are amazing at churning out reactors three years they they, oh they could turn out in three years which is insane um but awesome like when you can put a gigawatt of 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 24 7 clean energy on the grid in three years like that's oh that's
1: insane. It's amazing <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing so yeah, that, that kind of answered my question. I was wanting to ask you about, you know, it kind of sounds like the United States is not at the forefront and there are other people who maybe we should be following by example. Um, you mm-hmm. know, China, Japan, South Korea, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So kind of, you know, jumping topics a little bit here now. You know, a big, you know, big story. I know you've addressed this on your YouTube channel recently. So... Um, you know, feel free to uh, address this however you'd like. Well, we've been seeing a lot of stories, especially like, you know, I listen to, you know, I listen to NPR in the morning on my daily walk. And one of the big topics that comes up is in the war in Ukraine, you have the power plant. I may be mispronouncing mm-hmm. it the Zaporizhia power plant. That's, they're worried about getting shelled, being offline, all kinds of things happening. So, you know, and and when, as soon as people hear about that, Ukraine, nuclear reactor immediately I'm sure people start thinking of Chernobyl um mm-hmm. for better or worse. So I'm just curious, like how worried should the general public be when we hear about stories like that? You know, when we hear about a nuclear plant possibly being shelled or or going mm-hmm. out of power for a while. I guess like in the United States, I don't know how much I would generally have to worry about it, but I maybe do people in Ukraine is that something they should be very worried about or, or I don't know how do we take this kind of news because it all seems like a lot. That's a uh, that's a question that I, I have been getting
0: over and over again, um, which I'm I'm glad, um, especially since people are coming to me um, for the answers. Like I don't know everything. I <laughs> not even not even long shot. I rely on information um, from many other sources um, and friends of mine. We've we've basically. Gathered together in this this, this trying time to uh, make sure that we're sharing resources with each other and and backing each other up. And whenever I put out a video, it's shown to like fifty people before before oh. I put it out. So, um, because I I just want to make sure that we're putting uh, out good information, correct information. Um, because especially during like a wartime, uh, the the when when you're listening to the news quite often more more often than not like things are going to be wrong especially in those very early stages and uh you aren't necessarily what which really frustrates me is is when when a lot of news cycles don't go back and correct those things but it's but it's in people's minds right that uh something bad happened and now i'm not going to think about it anymore but it's going to be still in my mind that that bad thing happened when maybe it wasn't 100% accurate, Uh, not to prolong things here, but a a good example here is for uh, when Russia went into Chernobyl, Um, and I did a ton of videos on that. I don't know if you saw any of my videos on the, when they took over the Chernobyl plant, and there were rumors of, like, uh, soldiers getting radiation sickness, and uh, I remember, like, first time I heard that, I'm like, no, no, they didn't, like not even a chance like and I I, I delve deep into it on my TikTok on the reasons why not but I haven't heard the media correct themselves on that but uh another one is something that I saw on uh in the beginning stages was the uh when the tanks rolled in there they they have radiation monitors basically all around the entire Chernobyl uh, exclusion zone that that monitor for radiation, just in case there's something that's released somehow. And right before these radiation monitors went offline which was in the very early stages of the war, all of a sudden you see the spike of radiation on a bunch of the detectors. And everybody, including me, We're convinced that the reason why it spiked is because these tanks went through like the Red Forest or went through contaminated land. And then they were throwing up the dirt into the air and it was just basically tracking in radioactive contamination. But if you look at those meters, they were quite high uh, compared like I, I, I it confused me a little bit, but I didn't really think too much about it. Um, It wasn't like so high that it's going to kill you type of type of high, but it's it was very elevated and uh, there was a study that came out specifically on that and they basically did some models on like, okay, let's see how much radioactive contamination would you need to have in order for this detector to read as high as they did and they basically determined like even with taking the most contaminated parts of of the forest and like atomizing it and making it this like big dust cloud, like it was it would have just been impossible to have made those radiation levels go that high. Oh wow! And and basically the conclusion was like when the when those monitors kind of went offline, it was basically kind of just like a glitch and like basically uh, like pulling them offline, all of a sudden you just get this spike going on. Nobody's corrected themselves on that though. Like the oh. news hasn't corrected themselves on it. I guess this is me correcting myself. Maybe I should make a video about it as well, but <laughs> I should be correcting myself as well on this. But um, I guess now if people listen to this, like waiting for my video to come out correcting that. But yeah, um, but yeah uh, nobody goes back and like really investigates whether or not those things were right. And now to get back to Zaporizhia. Okay. <laughs> um, So since the very early days, like when they rolled in, took over the plant, uh, there was a lot of uh, fear going a- a- around, you know, and NPR put out an article. I don't know if you remember it uh, about how I think the title of it was basically saying like, it could have been so much worse type of thing. Like, I remember that one, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, we were We were at the brink of disaster, right? That pales into comparison with what has been happening in like the last month. Like that was a joke compared to all the stuff that's been going on sure. uh, recently. yet, I mean, the news was just like really they absolutely blowing it out of proportion hundred <laughs> percent. um yes, there were shells that were there was a shell that was launched like they they like pinpoint like, oh, it went this direction, so it must have went to the to the, the nuclear plants. And uh, the thing is that the reactor uh, dome itself is actually very robust. It's it's extra, like a, a random shell hitting it is really not a um, big concern actually for um, most nuclear safety type people because we know that those domes are, uh, those ones specifically at its thinnest area is, is 1.2 meters thick of lead enforced uh, concrete, not lead enforced, sorry, steel enforced concrete uh, with a steel lining around it is, or on the inside of it as well. So, extremely robust um, containment. So, if just a random shell hits it, like that's, I, I mean, don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> right. Um, but it's, 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 it's not automatically like boom, you know, I think that's what people think. They yes. think shoot at it, then boom. And so, I, I, I understand uh where people are coming from with that um especially just with a a normal everyday person's kind of understanding of nuclear plants like yeah don't don't shell a nuclear plant um don't don't put a nuclear plant in a you know or don't put a war zone into an. or i guess yeah don't roll tanks into a into a nuclear plant or nuclear facility there we go that's <laughs> the word i'm looking for uh and it is it is correct. Like a nuclear plant was not specifically built for a war zone, right? And it is it is absolutely concerning uh, what Russia is doing. Um, I'll definitely come out and say that. Uh, and the IAEA has come out and mentioned this: how this is this is not good. Like what they are doing is bad, and they really are. Uh, Uh, we have pillars of nuclear safety and they're basically chipping away at these pillars Mm. and uh it's 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 not good what they're doing um because they could ultimately lead to something happening um and and that that does that's that's very concerning to me but i think most people have some uh misconceptions about kind of like how bad it can get um I think one of the things that I'm really concerned about is uh, not necessarily that the plant's going to suddenly blow up and you're going to have like a bunch of people dying offsite. Like that's not my concern. Like when it comes to that, uh, if if they did cause something to happen at the nuclear plant, uh, for one thing, it will be another setback again on on nuclear power in general. Right. Uh which is also which is very harmful. Um that because of like Fukushima, yeah. because that happened and all the the countries that reacted to it negatively and started shutting down their nuclear plants has had uh that has killed people, actually. The fact that they've shut down their nuclear plants has killed people. So that right there could be a result and that would be terrible. Um Additionally to the people surrounding the area, it would be, I mean, that's scary, right? Uh, Again, bringing up that fear uh, of nuclear, like, oh, there's a nuclear plant over here that's melting down. I'm in a war zone. I don't want to like start driving around and uh, risk my life uh, with these Russians that are nearby, you know, and and shells, I'm, I'm having to worry about shells. And I've actually said this several times in a lot of my videos is, is bombs and bullets are more dangerous than betas and gammas. And uh, we, we we train on that actually when it comes to, let's say somebody attacked a nuclear facility, like we we do drills and exercises on that. And we always train like, if something like that was to happen automatically, like if you wanted to do something, you shelter in place, you stay there, you you go inside your house, and because it's way more dangerous for you to come out of your house because of these bad guys around, okay. right? And someone could confuse you as being a bad guy, which is not good as well. Sure. So, um, but let's get to the I know the thing that people are thinking about, right? They're thinking like, is this Chernobyl? <laughs> and I think it's 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 easy to, or it's I could definitely say no. This this is not Chernobyl. This is very different than Chernobyl. Um, Chernobyl was, uh, if you want to make a comparison, it was like it'd be like comparing I don't know, like the Hindenburg to the to a, a modern aircraft type thing. Maybe not that huge of a difference, but or it, it's uh, very different than a modern reactor. And uh, it it didn't have a, that containment dome. Like I talked about. Oh, wow. Yeah. It just, it was just in a building and yeah, exactly. Oh, oh my God. And so when it had an issue, that building just kind of went up, right. Very different in the type of containments and the buildings that they have on these plants, even though these plants were only built a few years later, right. Yeah. Uh, different design. They have huge concrete, uh, reinforced domes on it to both uh, protect from shells or or other missile hazards. That's that's actually a big one, um, as well as to protect from if you ever had a steam explosion in in the reactor plant. Yeah. yeah. Which, if you know anything about Chernobyl, uh, Chernobyl had a steam explosion. Like that was what made it blow up, right?
1: Yeah, yeah steam
0: explosion and that just in, in chernobyl just the building was destroyed uh but these domes that are around the the modern plants as well as the plant that is that zaporizhia the are the reactors that are that Zap- zaporizhia um they are made to withstand all of that steam or all that water flashing to steam and and stay intact and that's that's super important right there like that that's like number one the reason why it is not Chernobyl uh it also keeps in a lot of the contamination and that's some of the things one of the things that I do when I'm doing my modeling is I will take into account uh the fact that it has a containment I could even make it to say like oh I'm gonna make this model but I'm gonna put a little bit of damage to the containment you know and I can model out like where does the radioactive material go and stuff uh but uh, another big thing is that makes it very different than Chernobyl is uh, the design of the the moderator basically. So in Chernobyl, it's what's called graphite moderated. In the Zaporizhia plant, it's water moderated. And in Chernobyl, in the in a, the, the graphite moderated reactor. Uh, in this one specifically, it's cooled with water. And normally, like in a in a modern day reactor, when you heat up water in a in a reactor plant that's operating, as it heats, it actually causes the power to go down. It's like a negative feedback. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Uh, we call that uh, a negative temperature coefficient of reactivity. Like, big words, but basically. Oh, yeah water expands and that makes it to where power goes down in a in a uh, light water reactor like we have around the world today in Chernobyl though when you heat it up and that water expanded power went up oh power goes uh, up yeah temperature goes up so if temperature is going up with power going up exactly positive yeah. feedback loop right there yes. uh additionally when you have boiling when you have boiling in a uh, a light water reactor like we have today uh, that also has a negative coefficient of reactivity so bubbles if bubble was the form in a reactor temperature would go down in a modern day one in Chernobyl opposite same like basically power going up it was it also had some graphite tipped Rods. Which, if you ever watch the the Chernobyl series, you get to kind of learn a little more about that. But yeah. there's a few compounding things, but that was a big one. Basically, had a positive temperature coefficient, or temperature coefficient reactivity, which gave positive feedback loops that led to uh, just this big explosion, uh, which burst open the, the the reactor building, and then you had graphite again that caught fire. <laughs> So uh, the, the graphite that wasn't there, right? It's not on the building. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, but that was on fire. So it was basically on fire. And it, for radiation protection, fire is a bad thing. Like you don't want fire and radioactive material. They do not mix very well. <laughs> so you're burning it and you're just putting tons of radioactive material into the, into the air. Um, so that is those two reasons are uh, uh, the the major reasons why uh, zaporizhia is not chernobyl i think that is the thing that we can say with most confidence um you know when you talk to science people they're always talking about like just levels of likelihood um that would be very very unlikely like it has enough radioactive material there similar to chernobyl but uh it turning into a similar situation extremely
1: unlikely so Okay, I'm happy to hear that, uh, you know, that, that is good news, at least, like mm-hmm. you said, still mm-hmm. concerning, but not necessarily yeah. into the world. So um, something to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just curious, you know, you have this wealth of knowledge, some of it, you know, you went to school with, some of it has come from experience, some of it, it sounds like you've developed a, kind of a nice community of of equally, you know, you're learning with friends and like minded individuals. Mm-hmm. So how did you decide then like hey I want to share this knowledge with the general public like I want to how did you decide you wanted to make a TikTok or a YouTube or a Facebook to talk about mm-hmm. this stuff because it kind of sounds like you're really fascinated and you just wanted to get it out there and share it with people yeah. am I am I, on, am I on at all with that assumption
0: Yeah so oh man that's a whole story in itself there you got <laughs> we got enough time like <laughs> sure yeah, yeah
1: yeah let's go for it so uh
0: man you you kind of goes back to that what i was talking about in 2017 when i really started getting into uh the forums and stuff on nuclear and uh at the same time i started like getting more and more concerned about like climate change so those were kind of like uh two two things that grew and and uh Getting more concerned with climate change gets me more interested in nuclear power. So, uh, or not interested, but more interested in 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 spreading the message. And and uh, additionally, I I don't like it that people think that my field of 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 study is like this. They have a lot of misconceptions, and that just bothers me. Like sure. you know. <laughs> Uh, which I'm sure other people in other professions are also bothered right but maybe not bothered enough to like make a YouTube video <laughs> <laughs> so I think the 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 major thing behind it is my my concern for for climate change um, but also at the same time my uh, my desire to be kind of uh, pro-humanity right while also protecting the environment so like two two big things like uh, and so that, that I would say is definitely the core of my desire to kind of get these messages out there, but there's another kind of thing that happened to me, uh, back in geez, 2019, I think I remember going to a conference and at this time, like I've always talked, thought about, it and like back in my head, I'm like, Oh, it'd be kind of cool to talk about this and on like YouTube and stuff. And I was already pretty deep into social media, and I even had a Facebook page uh, that was called a Pragmatic Environmentalist, which is still out there. Uh, I don't really run it anymore, but there's a lot of other people that have helped me out, and they, they run it now. Um, but I remember going to this conference and there was a presentation there about, and this conference, by the way, was for Radiological Emergency Preparedness People. It's a national radiological emergency preparedness conference. Uh, yes, there is one of those. Um, <laughs> I think we have like 500 people um, usually, but uh, they were presenting at this conference and they talked about how uh, you can't just come into uh, a incident on the uh, right of boom. What I mean by right of boom, so boom is like the instant, right? Something happened, boom.
1: Yeah. There's
0: left of boom, which is uh, before the accident happens.
1: Okay. And then
0: there's ride a boom, or am I mixing those up? I'm, in, in my head, I'm thinking ride a boom is the one that's after, but I might be backwards. Hopefully I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> but either way, basically after the accident happens, you can't just suddenly think you're gonna come into social media and put out a message there and everyone's just gonna start listening to you. Right? Right. Sure. You've not established that yourself, like who the hell are you, you know? <sighs> totally agree. What's yeah what's gonna happen is they're gonna go to the people that they already go to right and one of the things that really hit home on this message i don't even, i don't even think it was at that conference i think my boss showed me this video i actually posted this on twitter very recently on a on a twitter thread that's like going viral right now uh a video of bill nye on I think it was like NBC or CNN. I can't remember. And this was like in the very early days of Fukushima. They brought Bill Nye in to talk about nuclear. Exactly. Like, I, I,
1: I, that look. Yes. Um, (laughs) I love Bill Nye. I love Bill Nye. I want to get him on my podcast, but.
0: (laughs) Maybe you shouldn't watch the video then. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But. They asked some questions about like fukushima like what's going on here like you're the guy we go to for science information so tell us right and the first 45 seconds at least of it was just complete gibberish like nuclear gibberish you start talking about how like cesium is what keeps the uh the reaction from 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 or, or what do you say? Oh yeah, the nuclear reaction from happening. And if we detect cesium outside of the plant, which we need to confirm our sources, whether or not cesium is detected, like that is an indication uh, that it's going to get much worse. Like, and that really bothers my brain to even say that because it just makes no sense. Um, and, and he talked about like injecting, like I, just complete gibberish. And uh the thing is the news went and and people went to the people that they think of as being the science experts. Right. And they, they also did this with uh, I can't remember, he's Japanese American physicist. Oh he's really big into science communication. I can see uh,
1: him. I, I can't remember his yes. name. white hair long hair yeah yes he's in Uh, mechanics i think or something like that
0: yes yes love his love his stuff um but he's very unfortunately he's very anti-nuclear and they also had him on talking about stuff and it's like no what are you doing like none of these people are experts Uh, and they're not telling you correct information at all and it really damaged Uh, credibility of the experts, Uh, damaged credibility of the government, emergency response personnel, like made this really drove a lot of mistrust in the nuclear industry. Um, And I mean, that was part of it. Right. And basically where I'm getting at is like, you need to be able to establish yourself now, establish yourself on social media. And uh, so that when something happens, people will come to you and like right now this is happening right yeah. i mean it's not happening happening <laughs> but it's it's clo- clo- closer than we've been you know in a long time so yeah. i i'm very happy for one thing to be on this call with you i think we've been organizing this since yeah. probably before that Zaparisha was like really on the forefront of our minds so yes yes um yeah, that's that is the big reason why I am on uh social media specifically on TikTok. Uh can you hold on for a moment? You're fine. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> My cat is making. <laughs> let me take a break here
1: real quick. So <laughs> you don't mind. Cool. Not at all, all right. man, no worries. All right, give me like two minutes. Cool, you're fine. All right. Yeah, I think we left off. You were just saying that was your big motivation to you're talking about the left of boom right of boom having a platform you know then where people can they come to you or look to you when stuff happens which mm-hmm. yeah, which is pretty cool because not cool I mean well it is cool but it you know it's just like as soon as this Zaporizhia stuff started happening I was like even more motivated to like get you mm-hmm. on the show I'm like oh my mm-hmm. gosh it's almost like just the timing of it um uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunate as it is, obviously not not wishing that upon anybody, but just like okay, now I, I have to get this guy on to talk about this because it's just so fascinating. <laughs> so kind yeah. of taking it around, I, I want to ask a less kind of serious question. I have just a you know few more kind of wrap up questions. This mm-hmm. is a lighter one, maybe to to lighten the mood a little bit. Um, yeah, if you were an atomic element from the periodic table, which would you? What element would you be and why? Oh jeez.
0: <laughs> um, let me think about this for for a moment. Like, cause the obvious choice is like uranium two thirty five, right? Like, <laughs> ooh, ooh. Um, I mean, because it brings uh so much power. Or uranium two thirty eight, because or wait, did you say you said element? I see i i jumped to oh. so
1: flavors of elements in the nuclear world well let's go with that <laughs> I, I, let's stick with your your world let's go yeah with your, yeah expand
0: it see here <laughs> i am
1: just sticking with the normal periodic table and here you are playing like 4d chess so <laughs> that's that's kind of
0: what i i think about right like because imagine like a periodic table and then there's like all these different layers to it like going up yeah because uh, yeah you have because an element is defined by the number of protons it has in it the thing is you can have uh, an element with the number of protons with different numbers of uh, neutrons in it and so that creates an isotope which they all behave chemically the same as each other uh the so if you have an, an isotope of iodine compared to another isotope of iodine it's all going to behave uh, exactly the same chemically um just the neutrons are different so you might it might make it to where it's radioactive if there's like too many neutrons or too little neutrons type of thing like that's what actually makes things radioactive which is really cool like i would love to get into that but we're not going to get in that today <laughs> um anyways uh i mean so obviously uranium is is, is a really uh, it, it would be a, a solid choice um, because of the fact that it brings or it can bring so much power with such little amounts of material, you know, because you're, you're actually breaking into the nucleus of an atom rather than typically we deal with the electrons yeah. surrounding an atom. So when you think of like fossil fuels uh even even solar pv like all these things you're dealing with electrons and those each each one of those interactions are more in like you're a few ev we measured in electron volts so it's just in like a few of them and then you you look at uh nuclear it's millions of electron volts <laughs> like it's uh, it's so much energy in one uh atom it's 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 insane and I, I think that is an obvious choice uh, but I want to I think I want to choose one of like our nuclear medicine type of isotopes so uh, like technetium-99 metastable I know it's like this weird long name to it right Love but uh, technetium-99 metastable um, it's not only do you have different flavors of isotopes <laughs> you, you have Uh, even a nice specific isotope can have different states to it. So it's, it's this big complicated mess, but either way you add metastable onto it. If it's like an excited isotope and anyways, uh, technetium 99 metastable, it is the workhorse of the nuclear medicine, uh, industry and it's used for, uh, like nuclear stress tests. And, uh, and I'm not I am not a, a, a doctor, a medical doctor, so I don't want to get too much into that. But uh, what's really cool is you, you can uh, get this technetium inside of you and you can basically get a picture of your, of, from, and the light is coming from the inside of you. <laughs> wow! So you can kind of see kind of like where fl- or blood is flowing inside the body is from my understanding is. Uh, what it's yep. specifically used for so you can like see all of that and see uh so you usually see older individuals that might get that sort of testing uh later later in life uh or, or more like just above middle aged, maybe or uh uh older uh getting nuclear stress tests but yeah you're basically taking an image from the inside out because oh, wow. it
1: releases the photon yeah I love it. Those are both great answers. I love that. I yeah. Okay, cool. I wasn't expecting the second one, and I learned a few things on that one, so that was really mm-hmm. cool. Um, yeah. Another kind of less, you know, not not a little lighter question. I ask everybody who comes on my show because I try to bring on people with very diverse viewpoints and uh, mm-hmm. and knowledge and places they've you know experiences and things like that. So I'm curious. Right now or, or recently, what are you watching or reading or listening to these days? Anything that's got you excited content wise, it could be related to nuclear or not. <laughs> I am so like deep into nuclear, like that's almost, like,
0: you know, they talk about like making making your work or your, your personality type of thing. Like, I feel like I've just like everything is just like all the same. But uh, geez, things are exciting me right now. I mean, like, I'm really excited about the uh, uh, what's it called, the Inflation Reduction Act. I'm excited about that. Uh, <laughs> hey, there you go, there you go. Uh, I'm still learning and and internalizing what it's done for the nuclear industry, and I'm really excited to. I'm still trying to read stuff about it and listen. I've listened to a podcast recently about it uh, on what it has done or what it's going to do for the nuclear industry because uh we're we as as a uh, nuclear advocates are are just frustrated with the nuclear industry and we it's like us poking them with the stick like come on do something like we really <laughs> like do something and uh i think that's I'm, I'm following that i'm very excited about that i don't know if that was
1: what you're looking for in that <laughs> perfect no but, that's great do you yeah. have a maybe how about this do you have a Do you have a recommendation, whether it's a book or a podcast or a document or any way you want to go, if somebody who doesn't have a background like you, but wanted to know a little more about nuclear energy, wanted to know more (laughs) about the benefits of those things, what would you recommend? Oh, man. Obviously, your channel. We're going to plug that, too. Other (laughs) good resources you might recommend. Oh, man. There are
0: some great like documentaries out there and books uh like really good book power to save the world um that's a really good one um i think you can get it on auto uh audible on an audio book um and it's read by my friend eric meyer i hope i'm right with that (laughs) um and then one of my favorite books actually is
1: uh Atomic Accidents. Ooh, okay. I'm literally adding these like to my my wish list <laughs> like, as you're re- listing them. So, mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Atomic Accidents is is great
0: and uh if if you read it, I think it's uh I think most people with think like looking at it like oh like this has got to be like some anti-nuclear book yeah. right radiation <laughs> book like but it, it's not at all like it, it's oh it's so great like I, I can't even uh describe it like like the beginning of it is like going into like some history and like the first uh recorded incident involving radiation at least some people think it is like it was like a cave in the backwoods of of, of Missouri, like <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. Good. But good work, yeah. Um, and then, uh, one of my favorite, uh, and probably the first documentary that I watched related to nuclear. Of course, my life is nuclear. Everything's nuclear, right? Uh, is uh Pan- Pandora's box oh okay. sorry not pandora's box sorry pandora's promise Oof, got that backwards pandora's promise <laughs> which i think has to do with like you know when pandora's box was open all the bad stuff goes out but then there was the promise uh oh, right. and like nuclear power is the promise like this
1: you know. oh i like that okay i'm gonna have to check that one out too these yeah. are great recommendations i love it i love it so Last question before we wrap this episode up. Uh, Where can listeners of Knowledge Brew Supreme, where can they find your content? You're, you know, when you're talking about, you just put out a video recently about the Zaporizhia power plant and, you know, whether or not it's Chernobyl, you've put out a lot of really good content that I've had a chance to kind of check out. So where can folks find it?
0: Yeah, uh, so I am, I'm on so many different platforms, right? Uh, So I think a good one, um, my my Twitter handle at uh, that rad guy five because you know that's that one was was taken but oh well. <laughs> um, TikTok obviously a a major one that's kind of the one that I have sort of made a name for myself on, um, and that is at that rad guy, not that rad guy sorry at the rad guy glows so that's when i changed it instead of that rad guy it was the rad guy because based oh, off of you know the bad guy the song but oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. when that was coming out that's when i when i came up with the name um and then obviously I'm, I'm on facebook as well if you look up look me up um and then youtube obviously the rad guy i think there's like one other the rad guy but i think you'll be able to find me uh, yeah. pretty easy now i have more viewers or more uh more followers, and yeah, I think those are probably the best
1: uh, places to find me. Wonderful. So I will be make sure to add uh, notes or add links to those uh, uh, to those in the, in the show notes. So please be sure to check out all the wonderful content that DJ, aka the Rad Guy, is making. Uh, so thank you again so much, DJ, for being on my show. It's been Thanks a pleasure. Of course, of course. Uh, this makes episode 45 of Knowledge Bruce Supreme. I'm your host, Dr. John Chancey. My goal is to get to 100 episodes. So that means I'm only 55 away. Thank you for listening. Please share, subscribe, review. Be good and be safe. Peace out.